Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Uh, so over the next few weeks, I'm going to share a few things that I feel like God uh, showed me. I, I didn't necessarily have any divine revelation while I was gone or vision for what's happening next, which wasn't the intent of why I um, took a sabbatical. It was more about rest and recouping uh, and disconnecting. But I do feel like God dealt with a lot of things with me. Um, and I'm going to take it that as God deals with me, he wants to deal with you. So over the next few weeks, um, you're going to hear some things uh, that hopefully bring life to where you're at right now and give you hope to what God's going to do um, in you. So let me start with this truth. I'm broke. And I don't mean that I spent all my money on the sabbatical. We still have a savings account uh, and we're living on budget. Just did our budget the other day, which is also <laughs> Jody's not here, uh, which is always a stressful day in our house. We do. I get paid once a month and our budget meeting is once a month. And uh, but we're still here. We still, you know, like uh, all of our debt is paid and uh, we're good. So it's not about that broke. Uh, what I mean is that I still need Jesus. And my question for you to kind of start the ball rolling is how about you? Are you still aware of your need? Because this, this place is a dangerous place, a church. Because we, we, can, we can forget at times how badly we still need Jesus. Because we've come so far and our lives have changed so much. And, and for the good, we're different. But the truth is that regardless of how much you've changed, you still need Jesus. You're still broke. And I don't mean broke in. I mean broke. That you, you, you don't have the capacity to pay the debt for your sin. That's why we have Jesus. And that doesn't end. Your identity, which we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, your identity is secure in Jesus, but you're always broke. Because if you don't change the way you think, then you'll come to Jesus in this better state than you were before, thinking that you have something to give him. And you don't. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't mean that. But there's nothing. If you want to get into Isaiah, that our greatest works of righteousness are but a polluted garment. So be worried when you don't. Or you aren't aware of that need anymore. And that today, I just want to stir that pot. And it's all coming out of one verse in uh, which we're actually going to do a series this fall on the Beatitudes. Um, so you're probably going to get this double. We'll hit this again. But um, the base of this is out of Matthew 5, 3. And it says, and this is my one thing for you today. And literally, you, you could go away and meditate on this one verse. Um, and if you let it seep into you, it could rock you. But listen, listen to this. This is the one thing I want you to hear this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there, there's people in here. There's a danger of both sides. There's a danger that say that God doesn't want me because of who I am. And there's a danger of saying that I'm good enough for God. 
So somewhere where I'm talking about today is somewhere here in the middle of going, we know that we're not good enough, but that's why Jesus came. And we know that we're never going to have anything that would offer him to where he's like, yes, they have now earned something from me. No, we still need Jesus. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we wouldn't be the um, curse, basically, out of Isaiah that's at the end of Acts. That we'd, we'd be people that have eyes that ever see but never see, and ears that hear but never hear. Lord, let us be the opposite side of that, that we would have eyes and ears and a heart to see you, to desire you, to surrender to you. Because we're broke. We need you. Even right now, regardless of how good we've come, how far we've come, we need you. So, Lord, Lord, bring us to that joyous realization that you are still enough for our insufficiencies. That you're still enough to bring healing and transformation to even us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this idea of poor in spirit isn't something that just popped up in Matthew. This is something that you see all throughout the Bible. And I'm going to mention a few people and we're going to rest in uh, Exodus and talk about Moses. Abraham, which is basically the father of our faith. And that one of the things that I did while I was gone, I, I, told, I was told by somebody that um, to research Abraham. So I read all through Abraham's life again while I was gone on sabbatical. And Abraham was the one that was chosen. He was called. He's when 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 people refer to and you'll see this in Exodus that I'm going to read when they refer to who God is, they say, I'm the God of and it begins with Abraham picked him, chose him created a covenant with him, the first covenant with him. And I'm just going to tell you, there's some interesting stuff in there. Like my man, um, there was, I mean, we're kind of, I don't want to get into circumcision, but like, like it's, you know, kind of a normal thing. Like it wasn't a normal thing to them. And God said, Hey, do this thing that I'm calling you to do. And Abraham literally said, Hey guys, God spoke to me, line up. (laughs) And they did. Um, and you know, But this is what Abraham says of himself in reference when he's talking to the angels that come to destroy Lot. He says, I who am but dust and ashes. Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips. When he goes into the presence of God, John the Baptist talking of Jesus says, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. And the tax collector, not talking about Matthew, but the tax collector uh, that is seen and witnessed by Jesus, along with the Pharisee that come into the temple. And the Pharisee stands on his gloating spot and says, I'm glad that I'm not like those people. But I give and I do. And he he elevates his righteousness. And there was this broken, humble tax collector which if you've been around reach for a while, you're very aware that tax collectors, although we don't like potentially the IRS, they scare us here now. I mean, a tax collector then, they were the betrayers. They were the worst of the worst. And the tax collector says in the corner, beating his chest, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, which one went away justified? The poor in spirit. 
And Paul, the one that I talk about on the regular, mostly because he scares me. Uh, I like Peter because I feel like Peter made enough mistakes that I could connect with him. I think Paul would be like, seriously, you did that again, Heath? Like, why are you doing that? But Paul, speaking of himself, I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. And he boasts. I mean, Paul will boast about himself, but then he says, all of this is trash, which is what we're getting to. And today we're going to look at Moses. And I'm going to read a lot of text to get to the point of this idea of what does it look like for us to exist in this place of being poor in spirit. So we're going to start in Exodus 3, uh, verse 10. And this is Moses having a conversation with God. And God's telling him what he's going to do. He, he lays out a road map for him. Let me just tell you, um, I felt like God spoke to me a lot in planning this church. And I, without a shadow of a doubt, God called me to this city. And I am here for as long as he wants to use me here in this city. And at the end of my sabbatical, um, the only thing I felt is that I'm ready to go back. Not like, I don't want to go back. But I did not have a roadmap like Moses. Like you're going to see. I mean, Mo, God laid out like, this is what I'm going to do, buddy. And he wasn't Abraham that has no idea of, you know, who God is. Because they've, he knows of Abraham and he knows of the other ones. And so in verse 10, it says, come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. They've been in slavery for hundreds of years, being abused and used. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When, that you. when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain. He, he's telling him, like, I know you don't know that you can do this, but I'm with you, and we're going to do this. He's, he's telling him. Verse 13, it says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and, they say, and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel. To gather and say to them, the Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you out of affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Perizzites. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the land flowing with milk and honey, and they will listen to your voice. He's telling them. He's telling Moses, like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king 
of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord, our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. He's telling that the road is going to be difficult. And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, and I say this a lot. If you've grown up in church that says, if you follow Jesus, life is going to be easy. You've been lied to. Trust me, you've been lied to. If life is too easy, something's wrong. Read this book that we call the word of God. There's none of his people that don't struggle. I feel like so many of us and let me let me if I can be transparent with you. The last nine years of this has been the hardest thing that I've ever done. And it's nearly broken me a time or two. I mean, nearly ran me out of town because of the overwhelming weight of this. And every time that I've gotten to that place, God reminds me, just like he is to Moses. I called you. I put you there. And in his most loving way, he says, if I didn't want you there, I would remove you. Okay. But that's what he's telling them. In verse 19, it says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless I compel him with a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give you this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And I'm not just going to let you go empty handed. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters so that you shall plunder the Egyptians. I mean, it's I don't know about you. But everything God wants done gets done. Not the easy way. Not the way you think it's going to be done, because honestly, I had a lot of vision and a lot of thoughts about how this church was going to be. And most of them never came to be. I mean, honestly, I thought God called me to this city. We're going to we're going to hit the ground and it's going to be like amazing. And the first three or four years for those that have, were here, it was hard, hard and I don't know about you, and I know we, we've lost our luxury seats. For those that don't know about the cushion seats that we did have here, don't worry about it. For those that remember, um, I'm sorry, but like I shall remind you that we were in the middle school. We had these folding plastic hard chairs. And how about the summer where the AC just stopped working? Summer in a middle school cafeteria. Any of y'all remember that? I remember it. Because we had to, we had drapes all in the the square of where we met in the cafeteria that that made our little area. And we put all those drapes up and put fans because it was hot. They're like for a week or two, it's going to be out. It was six weeks during the middle of the summer. It was great. It was great. But God told him, "Hey, this is what's going to happen." And and God told us things um, in this city that still haven't happened that we're here. 
And I, I thank the Lord that after six weeks of me not being here, and this is one truth that God has also um, rested on me, is that I am not this church. It's really dangerous when a church becomes, becomes fixed around one person. And I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm glad to be back. But I just want you to know that we're still here six weeks later. And if you have a lot of issues, um, I'm back in business. <laughs> like, email me of things that happened. I'm, I'm here. I'm back. I want to hear them all. So ver- chapter 4. Moses answers God back. It says, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. And he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Okay. Okay. It's like, we, we know, we know Prince of uh, Egypt. We've all seen the animated cartoon. If you haven't, like, you should watch it. It's pretty good. But he threw it down. I mean, let me just tell you, you throw a stick down and it turns into snake. You don't be like, hey, that's cool, man. (laughs) You're like, I don't know if you're anything like our family. We don't really like snakes, especially my wife. Like, you don't just hang around and be like, that's the coolest thing God's ever done. You're like, nope. And look what God says to him. After Moses runs from it, verse 4, says, but the Lord said to Moses... I want to see these things. Like, I'm not sure heaven is like this or will have it, but like, I won't replay theater in heaven. Like, I want to watch these scenarios and I believe, I believe we're going to see those things. I think, you know, like, I want to see, like, Moses, like, God saying, stretch out your hand. He's like, Like, we all think, like, oh, yes, Moses, like, yes, let me grab it. Thus saith the Lord. I think, I think he was like, I'm not so sure about this. <clears throat> Put your hand on it. And it, um, and it, verse four, it says, but the Lord said to Moses, put your hand and catch it by the tail. And so he put out his hand and called it and it became a staff in his hand. And I'm sure in that moment after the snake is now a piece of wood, he's like, yeah, yeah this is pretty cool. And I'm sure God did that to him so that when he did it later, didn't, he didn't run scared in front of Pharaoh. Like, why are you running? <clears throat> um, and then he says, in verse 5, it says, That they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And again, the Lord said to him, and I would be a little leery at this point, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And he's thinking, maybe God's going to give me a treat. Like there's going to be a candy bar inside my inner pocket. He puts his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Okay. Talking about zombie apocalypse. It's like, this is how it starts. (laughs) And then God said, put your hand back in. Side your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he had took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listened to the first sign, they may believe a later sign. 
He's giving them the map. Like, look, they're not going to just buy that first thing. Like, we're going to be here to the end. If they will not believe even the two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground, and that water shall make that and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on dry ground. I think we look at stories like this and I'm going, of course Moses is going to do the things that God has called him to do. We think it. Like how many of us put ourselves in that same scenario like what's getting ready to come out of Moses' mouth? He just heard all these things. He's just heard God speak to him through a burning bush. And that's crazy. Like, let's just say, like if a bush starts talking to you, seek help. Or at least, you know, take a video of it. Verse 10 says, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow in speech and the tongue. Here's your biggest challenge with this idea of being broke, of being poor in the spirit. If you think that you can do the things that God's called you to do, you're in trouble. Because if you think that, then you're going to work it in your own power and strength. And let me just tell you what's going to happen with that. It's not going to go well. Let me just tell you, there, there were times in, in my ministry of 19 years that there was a lot of just heath striving and I can do this. And the most successful, successful times that we've ever had is when I've surrendered... And just go, I cannot. Almost all of worship every Sunday before my sabbatical and now is going, God, if you don't speak, if you don't do something, I have nothing to offer. And then the Lord says to him in verse 11, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? Or seen or blind, is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth and teach what you shall speak. But he said to him, O my Lord, send someone else. I mean, God just said, hey, look, buddy, we're going to rescue our people from Egypt. Which I promised before they even went there that this was this day was going to happen and I'm going to use you. You're my instrument. And after he tells him all the things, after he sees a staff turn into a snake, after he sees his hand go to leprous and not back to be normal. After God tells him, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. But I'm going to, in my might, change his mind. And all Moses could say is I can't. I'm not a good speaker. And if you go on, which I, 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 I stopped there, but he, he, he does let him take Aaron with him, and he's like, fine, 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 fine. fine. Take your brother. We, I will speak through you and him, and we'll do this. And what happens? God redeems and rescues, and we have Passover now. We have... The beginning imagery of what Jesus was going to do on the cross through this. 
Because the last sign that Moses brought is all the firstborn dying. Other than those that blood was put over the opening of the door. And that death passed over them because of the blood of the sacrifice, which is Jesus for us. So one of my questions over this last six weeks for me was, who am I trusting? Like, who am I? Because let me just tell you, a lot of my, and we're going to talk about identity in the weeks to come, a lot of my identity was wrapped up in what I do here. And how well I think I do here and how many people show up on Sunday morning and how people say, you know, I like this church. Or, you know, I'm glad that we're here. And I, every time I say that, people come up after service like, Woo. like I am not. I'm t- I promise you, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not milking for. <laughs> come tell me you miss me. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. Uh, but that's not what I'm saying. My my saying here is that a lot of it is, who am I trusting in? Am I trusting in the skills and abilities that Heath, after 19 years of doing this, that he has? That, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm all right communicator. Like, I feel like God's given me something to do here and I feel like I'm not too bad at it. But to be completely honest, it's a real dangerous road to begin to think that I'm doing pretty good. And I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to ask you what God's been trying to ask me over the last six weeks is what are you trusting in? And I think sometimes you got to step back to see that it's even happening. Because you're so unaware of what's actually going on because you're so stuck in just moving forward and just making tomorrow happen, tonight happen, and all the things that go into your life. The kingdom, like Matthew 5, 3, is for the I can nots, but that you can. Maybe today you're struggling with who you are. Maybe you've been struggling for a long time of what God actually thinks of you. And maybe some of that is based around your knowing Your own self, knowing your own sin, knowing all the things that are hidden from everyone else. Maybe some of that is, how can God still love me? Now let me just tell you, this is his biggest sermon that he ever preached and he starts it here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Be broke. Acknowledge it. Because in your acknowledgement, just like we went through all of these people from the tax collector to Paul, in your acknowledgement is where your hope comes from. Because the more you realize that you cannot, the more you have the ability to trust him to do what you cannot. This is all God is trying to do in Moses. Moses didn't do any of these things. Now, he was the instrument that God did them through. He was the mouthpiece, but he was not the power. He was not even the words that came out of his mouth because God gave him those. 
And God told him, hey, here's what I'm going to do in you. And I feel that the Bible is filled with promises that God is asking you to live in and through. That we don't because we're too caught up in ourselves to trust God right now. Romans 8, 37. One of my favorite verses. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Back to Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the opposite of that is that if you're not poor in spirit, if you aren't there, then the kingdom of heaven isn't yours. Because it says it's theirs. This is not the judgment that you're all dirty sinners. Because we basically are. This is the hope that even in that reality, God loves us. God calls this to us. I found this quote by Piper. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit who mourn. Blessed are the people who feel keenly, keenly their inadequacies and their guilt and their failures and their helplessness and their unworthiness. And their emptiness. Who don't try to hide these things under a cloak of self-sufficiency. But who are honest about them and grieved and driven to the grace of God. My last verse and we're going to wrap this up is 1 Corinthians 10. 12 through 13. And this is NIV because it's how I memorized it way, way back in the day. Verse 12, it says, So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. When you think you're good, you're in trouble. And I, and I know that that's a, that's, they're, they're, that's a deep pot of stuff. And I'm not trying to overgeneralize, but be careful when you think you're standing firm that you don't fall. And in verse 13, it says, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to man. And God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure. God is always for those who understand their broke. Yes. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And in our closing song, I just want to challenge you. And I say this, I used to say this every Sunday. Um, We add a song at the end of our service, not to keep you here three or four more minutes. We add a song to the end of our service because I believe the best opportunity for you to have some work done with God is right now.
Because I know when you walk out of these doors, when you get back in your car, when you go to lunch and after lunch and when the workday starts tomorrow, that everything else that challenged you before is going to be overwhelming you again. And now is the perfect time during this last song to just go, God, I need you. Say, God, I'm, I'm desperate for you. Be honest. Here's the beauty of it. There is nothing hidden. All the things that you think you've hidden from people, all the inner dialogues that have never come out, God's aware. And He's asking all the time, trust me, trust me, give that to me. And so I just ask you today, this morning, is are you willing to allow that pour in the Spirit to be a reality for you every day? Because it's where we have to live. Because the truth is, we can keep faking, we can keep pretending, we can keep trying to be better, or we can surrender. It's okay to make excuses to God. It's okay to go, God, I I cannot. But hang around long enough for Him to still say, No, I want you. I want you to do these things that I've called you to do. And I, I think there's people in this room that God has placed giftings, callings that our world needs. And God has placed those in you so that you'll use them, that you'll operate them. And I believe that today God wants to start a journey with you that brings you to some of these things that God has put in you as laid dormant for a long time. So let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.